Welcome back. These are your bookmarks. Here's where you left off. Spoilers ahead for Convergence Book One. Today, we're talking about Craig Allenson's Convergence Book One. My name is Derek. Hi, guys. My name is Leonard. And today, we're going to review this book that was recently released by Craig Allenson. It's a new book series from him. Uh, it's something that uh, Leonard and I are very excited about. We are big fans of his previous series, uh, Expeditionary Force. So we were excited when this book came out. And in this series of reviews, we're going to re- review the first three books of the Convergence series. This one being the first one. So Leonard, I just wanted to hear what you had, your first thoughts on the book. The book itself is similar, well, not similar, but I felt like it's a, it's a great segue from the Expeditionary Force from the Craig Allen series. And it's kind of funny, though, because when I first read even the first couple of chapters of this book, I was very amused. And, and it was just funny. It was, it, was a nice, it was a nice opening chapter of like just introducing the main character and his struggles right at the bat. So it's typical Craig Allen of of uh, of writing of like a here's your hero, here's the issue. Really, literally the first chapter, and it was a great. It's a great. It's a great start of the book. What do you think about it? I enjoyed it. I, I like the beginning of the book where he's already in a life or death situation, and I like that he introduces the characters fairly early on in the book, so we can get used to the characters in the beginning. Um, for those of you that don't know, Convergence is uh, carries along the storyline of a magician who doesn't know how to do magic. He understands that he's a magician, but he doesn't know how to do it, and he's unsure about uh, why people are after him uh, to hunt him, presumably for his magic ability. Yeah, and uh, as you said, right off the bat, he he knows that he is this... He has a special ability, quote unquote, and he knows that he can do simple things. He thinks that um, that he is he's the only one. He, as far as he knows, he's the only one uh, a, a, a wizard in in the world. And uh, when when certain circumstances start getting like being presented in front of him, and becomes the point that oh, okay, I'm special. I gotta figure this out. I need to. I need to. It's almost like a. Uh, it's almost like a like when you go into a situation, you have to keep adapting, 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 and uh, and and the main character, Casimir, uh, Kaz for short, he's um, he's been thrown into the situation that he just have to figure stuff out, and I love it because he, he it's he he puts you in the 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 writing um, makes you feel like you're beside him trying to sort everything out, right? I agree. I think, I think that when you and I talk about this book, and this is really the first time you and I have sat down and had a conversation about the book, a proper conversation, a proper conversation <laughs> to make sure that you know our thoughts weren't preposed and so forth about that. But I think we have to talk about the most important character of the book, and of course, that's Duke. Yes, <laughs> Duke is uh, it's kind of kind of important to the storyline itself. If he is, so, the best way to describe Duke, he is a uh, is a dog. It's, first of all, he's a dog, but he was been no, inhabited. He is a golden retriever. A dog. And inhabits. And no, no, you're, you're, you have to describe. He's a golden retriever. Okay. And he is uh, 
what's the word? He is says? inhabited by a spirit, a 3,000-year-old wizard from Babylon. But he's also fierce. He says that. His, he's, portal, he's, his he's moral fierce. enemy is he's, a squirrel. <laughs> but but he, he's fierce, though. That, he is that's fierce, the important yes. He's he fierce. is fierce. He's a very, very brave dog. But <laughs> to be honest with you, his character reminds me of another character that Greg Allen has named Skippy. And and to be honest with you, I I love it. It's it's it becomes a glue. Oh, he becomes a yin and a yang of the character. You see, he's, he's, he's the comic relief. He's the comic relief of the book, certainly. I agree. I agree. He is the comic relief, and it's it's the relationship is great. It's uh it's almost like a uh human master uh, or it's like a human uh, like pet human relationship. But at the same time, yet if you have a pet to start talking to you and telling telling you what he what he doesn't want and wants, it kind of weird everything out, you know? I'm a pet owner, and if I got my cats telling me what they want, I'll be, like, weirded out a bit, but at the same time, I'm like, this is cool. Well, that's the important <laughs> part, because, you know, what his dialogue is, what would a dog think about? What would a dog want? Of course, food, more food, and doing some very, what we'll say is disgust, eating some disgusting things that Kaz does not understand why he has any interest in it. And, you know, Duke's reaction is, I'm a dog. Like, yes. that was like his reaction. I'm a dog. That's yes. what I'm supposed to do. Yes. And that's sort of the, the belovedness of the dog and the character because it is exactly what a dog would do. Mm -hmm. And his logic is a dog's logic. He's like, can't you smell that? Exactly. And Kaz is exactly. like, no, of course I can't smell that. He goes, what is wrong with you? Oh, exactly. And then he's like, you know, you know, humans are weird. You know, you pick up our poop. Why do you want our poop so badly? It's like, I'm not sure if you heard about this, uh, this joke or it's an ongoing joke saying that the, if an alien shows up on earth and you see dogs being uh, like humans picking up dog poo, they're going to figure out who's the master yes no exactly exactly right? it's, you've got to question that it, it, it is it's a, it's a very cool relationship but uh let's uh let's let's talk about the whole premise of the book itself and we're gonna start introducing some of the characters uh special characters in my opinion that's like just makes yeah it will, we'll start introducing little tiny characters that's that they're hinting in this uh in, in this book itself so the the whole premise of the book itself is like Derek, what Derek says that He's the he's the only wizard in the world on Earth that he knows of. that he knows of. Thank you, and uh, he's been running from the law, and uh, because he uh, he's been suspected killing his aunt, so he's been running on the law. He's trying to stay um, uh, low profile as possible. So whatever jobs he can get, like mostly in construction, pay under the table type deal, he's been doing all that. And um, one point that uh, he he went to the diner. And uh, next thing you know, he saw a dog, a.k.a. Duke. Next thing you know, the dogs start talking, and he start freaking out. No, I think I would have freaked out if a dog was talking. Oh, yeah, everyone would freak out. your cat starts talking to you, wouldn't you freak out? Oh, yeah. I'll be like, oh, my God. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But, yeah, it's the same reaction that he has. It's like, why is this dog talking to me? Am I the only one hearing this? So his world started going upside down of, of, of things that's happening to him. And uh, throughout the whole book, he's, like I mentioned it, he, he's, he's learning... He learned how he's learned how to adapt around the situation he has. So when he found a dog that uh, the the dog has been um, uh, is talking, and he found out he's a possessed dog from Babylon. That's kind of kind of funny though. That the the uh, the wizard from Babylon only talks to Duke, but Duke has more um, 
uh, more control with his body. So he has more dog-like feet, dog-like thinking, but his knowledge is based on the wizard, right? Well, well, the other question is, and this is sort of brought up in the book, is why did Marduk mess up so much and get into a dog? I mean, you, you think know, he messed up? I think he was just a. Uh, this is. I think he didn't mess up. I think this is purpose. Well, Craig Allenson wrote it. Certainly, his own purpose. I mean, it's an interesting premise. Uh, they do just sort of describe it as an accident. He didn't mean to do it. Uh, it does kind of work. Uh, but Murdoch, during the book, is not really a front and center kind of person. He's sort of in the back of Duke's head. He's mentioned a few times. We don't really get a lot of information about him. And interestingly enough, the other characters that get introduced in the book... They're more fleshed out than him. Uh, there's not really anything fleshed out I about think this, him. I think we know was, Babylon. We we know he's a powerful wizard. And beyond that, I, we don't I, know much more. I think that was the purpose of the whole thing, that uh, they made him, they made the character, the Duke character, just the Duke, just the dog itself, um, having this wizard in his head. It's sort of, like you said, it's not fleshed out, but at the same time, it gives the, uh, the illusion of uh, there's something else. There's something else hiding. Yeah. Right? There's something There's something about this. And I mean, and later on in the book, we'll get to some other characters later where he kind of flushes that out. But I think the mainstay of the book where we get a lot of interaction is certainly from Duke. But um, Craig Allenson really introduces a lot of characters within the first few chapters. And he wants to get them there so you can get to know them. And the first one we get introduced to is a Macarios. Mm-hmm. And... He's just standing in the middle of the road. He is a knight. He is a knight from uh, ancient Egypt, um, the year of uh, 321. So he is uh, a knight from a, uh, of the Magi. So if you guys don't know what a Magi no, is. Knight of the Magi. Knight of Magi, yes. Yeah, so if you guys don't know <laughs> what a, uh, a Magi is, it's, uh, loosely, it's, it's literally a... Um, a knight of the Lord. It's almost like a spinoff of the the the, um, the Knights Templar. If you guys want to go that detail, but yeah, um, he's a knight from Egypt. So he was sent there, and it's kind of funny though how he got sent there. It's actually to be honest with you, you're right. He showed up in the middle of a road, and he almost caused an accident. And I was like, yeah, I would show up the same way too. Freaked everyone out, you know. Well, and of course, you know about having a knight from 321. I mean. You know, Rome is technically still there, and he knows of Rome. He knows of his order, uh, a very uh, faithful religious time in history where your belief in God is absolute. And he shows up, and he's confronted with things like an RV, (laughs) electricity, (laughs) a cell phone, planes, he is freaking out. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's it's one of those things. So so Macarius was uh, was introduced, or he bumped into Kaz and Duke after uh, after like almost like the first uh, five chapters in, and uh, how he introduced himself as like uh, I'm here to look for a wizard, I'm and 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 he thinks that Kaz was that wizard that he's looking for. So there was a lot of like um, he's trying to tell. He's trying to figure out if, if, if Kaz is the wizard that he's been looking for. Because he's been, uh, and throughout the whole book, he's been trying to, to, to explain to, uh, to Kaz that I'm looking for a wizard. Are you this wizard? And Kaz always says, well, I can do magic, but I can, I'm not that good. Or if I can do it, it's just tricks that he can do. Not, it's like your typical magic tricks you see. But um, 
he, he, he Kaz was trying to defend himself in the same time he, he, same the same time Akari is trying to convince himself that this is this is the wizard he's looking for or if he's not the wizard he's looking for I want to find the right one right and so we're brought into this 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 way of looking at it and I like that and I like this scene and I like this buddy buddy this sort of guy you know relationship that the bonds between them and he's he's been alone for so long mm-hmm. and now he's somebody he's sort of taking care of trying to make sure he doesn't lop off somebody's head because they surprise <laughs> him, you know, yeah. coming out of, uh, coming out of a gas station or something, uh, you know, it, it, uh, cause exactly. he has a huge sword and he wants to use it a lot. And, uh, you know, but very shortly after we get our next character introduced, uh, Giselle, Giselle, yeah. who is from 497. And so we have these powerful wizards in the past who are sending these knights forward to protect Kaz yeah. from uh, this evil group that mm-hmm. want to uh, allow the coming of sort of the end of worlds kind of yeah. kind of idea from an from another place. It, it's kind of funny though because you mentioned that Giselle came from 497 um, AD from Gull, or AKA France now, and um, she knows that um, she's a little bit more educated compared to Macarius. You can actually see that during the conversation. And she's only 17 in the book. I think she's 19 in the book yeah, something when you like first that, yeah. meet her. And I, I don't know if they would say they were, she was more educated. She's more well... Uh, she was She was taken in, and I think... She adapted better. Well, yeah, but if you're thinking from the times that they were in, Macarius plays this very fatherly figure to her, protecting mm-hmm. her. He's very yes. chivalrous and wants to protect yes. uh, women. And, 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 you know, she's very much living in the age where she was supposed to be betrothed to somebody else. And yeah. And she's mad about and it. Yeah. So we have these, these, these situations that occur during their time that influence how they think mm-hmm. and bring them into the modern world. Uh, especially when Kaz tries to clothe them in, you know, in clothe normal. them in, in stuff that they're doing. And it's a fun experience because they take it a 19 year old into a Walmart or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to get her dressed into stuff. And, of course, uh, the way Craig writes it is really funny because Macarius comes up in Crocs and kind of weird clothes. Yeah, I agree, yeah. And and I love the way he says it. He's like, like, okay, what you've chosen is excellent, but those are very special occasion clothes, and you're going to make me look bad. So could you wear clothes like mine? And we'll just keep those clothes for a special occasion it's, it's, when you need to dress up, you know, and like, like it's kind of, Yeah, it's kind of funny, though, because uh, the, he he brought them to a store and he told them, go at it, right? Find something that fits you. And they don't know. Fa- it's it's kind of funny, though, because it's it's like it's like going to Walmart on a Saturday night and everyone comes out and start dressing up. The, you get the weirdest ones, you know, it's like. It's the same thing. It's like you go into a store, you don't know what is considered fashionable. Your only fashion you know is like a chain mail and a, and a, and a silk blouse or silk clothes that stops an arrow, those kind of things, right? He, he know like metal freaking chain mails. So they know that, but they don't know what is considered acceptable, right? So it, it's, in the book itself, it actually tells you. Like 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 you're bringing your 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 nephew or nieces to the store as they go at it, and they'll choose the most brightest colors because it's the coolest thing they see, and is the most comfortable thing or what is what people are wearing, right? So they're trying to blend in, but at the same time they're blending in the wrong way, 
right? <laughs> well, it's interesting the clothes choice they take. They get like five pairs of jeans for him, and they get like a bunch of t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And then, then apparently he had to have five sets of different sunglasses because he thought they were the best thing ever. You know? Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's and, great. I mean, you know, he gets like a couple Crocs and he gets a few sneakers and stuff. But I like the the clothes choices and how you know he just doesn't have a choice but to grab this stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he goes in with Giselle into the store, he just gets Macarius a power tool just to play with. Yes. Because yes. it's amazing. It's so, yes. it's so interesting to him, right? Exactly. He's, he's a typical uh, guy that went to like a, a hardware store and, he, and you tell him, okay, go get whatever you want. And he did. And Giselle did the same thing too, but uh, she did the same thing. She get whatever she wanted. They did, t- they did, Kaz did tell her to change it a bit because again, same thing because she haven't seen any of this colors before or any type of clothes before this kind of clothes. So she's been, uh, she, she was going all out, right? So it's a, uh, it's a very typical, uh, typical reaction. And I'm glad that they captured it properly on, on, on in this book itself. Right. So it's uh it, it's a great uh, it's a great intro for all for for all four characters itself well these are these are sort of the the hero characters of the book and we do have a couple others that get introduced but really what comes you know the interesting part of the book is uh what they call the opposition or what kaz calls calls the opposition and these are sort of like two like men in black kind of guys that walk around trying to hunt them down and they're kind of interspersed through the chapters as we go through the book but they never really feel like a huge threat. They're just sort of on a trail. And I, they really only come to crescendo at the end of the book where where sort of the final final phase comes through. But what did you think about them? Did you find them intimidating? or No, you, you actually said it correctly, that they're, they've been sporadic throughout the book itself because the Kaz, we knew Kaz was running away from someone or something or some group. At the same time, uh, it's the same thing in the back of his mind that he has to keep moving. So he knows someone's looking at, uh, at looking for him. He thought it was the cops, first of all, right? And next thing you know, they start introducing, as you said, the opposition. But the op- the the opposition when they when you, when um when you read the book, you start hinting. This the 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 book start hinting. Okay, here's the opposition. Oh no, no now they're gone. It's like you said, it's sporadic enough that that you're if, as a reader. It's always in the back of your head that there is someone there trying to get after him, right? But at the same time, the opposition doesn't know, uh, knows about him, but doesn't know about his companions, right? So it's, uh, that's why once in a while you see this, um, you see him running, and, he's, and he, does, he did hint that someone's following them, right? But he, they disappeared, for example, like, at the beginning, when he got into the RV before he hit um, um, Macarius and uh, not hit, not hit, when he uh, met Macarius and Giselle, they were in the RV itself, right? So they've been going around, uh, trying to try to keep going, right? So they, uh, they, so they can just. But the fun thing about the book, though, is that they show up and they're here to protect them. But really, he's the one doing all the protecting, trying to keep the modern world, trying to teach them about it about cell phones, about the fact that the world is not flat. I mean, he literally has to go through this with them, you know, and have that yeah. conversation. It, it's, you're right, you're right. But in the same time, too, that he has this, this, this father figure feel to it, he has to keep an eye on them, right? But at the same time, he, he never, he didn't have to before they met, he met those three uh, individuals, 
right? He was he was like he was a loner. He was, he was on loner, his own. Yeah, he was a loner, and he was just hanging around by himself. And he was trying to stay alive. He was moving every few months, mm-hmm. you know. But the opposition, he knows how dangerous they are because uh, because a couple of years back he had a girlfriend who they tracked down and basically killed her yeah in retribution for him kind of getting away mm-hmm. and he has a lot of guilt around that so since that time he's very very particular about very distanced for everyone what he does yeah. and so now he has two characters he's he's kind of bragging along for the ride in rv with a dog how trope is that right every everything plus the dog and they're all great characters they're all very interesting and it, but we have the opposition trying to hunt them down mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of funny though because um the the i felt like this whole book book one was literally a big it's a great way to introduce main characters that that's going to be key going forward right the storyline is there as well too the storyline was very very simple and um what he did is he he started introducing um conflicts throughout the book itself it's like your typical storytelling you get your introduction your conflict and resolution right this one you feel like the conflict itself has been has been gradually going up right it's going you know it's about to hit the peak but you thought you hit the peak of the conflict it's still there he's still rising right by the time he hits the uh, the conclusion of the whole thing it felt like it's just a little tiny dip right when he when he ends the book it just felt like he just stopped Right, it's typical Craig Allenson style writing. It just stops. It's like he's in the middle of a thought, and it just stopped. And but as we know, Craig Allenson, he likes to leave the door open for the next book. And and he did a very well leaving it open. It for certainly the next book. does that in this book. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a very nice way to uh, to to tell a story, in my opinion, because it engaged me. It's well, very well, engaging. Was the right? magic really enough for you in the book? I mean, there's parts of the book where no. he's trying to learn about magic. He's trying to like Macarius and them don't know magic. They're just knights. They were sent by wizards, but they do not know magic. That's actually I think that's the point of this whole thing, though, because he's he's the only thing he knows that he can do magic. He knows magic. He used to exist, and he knows he can do magic. He already said he he mentioned that several times. I can I know it exists. I just don't know how to use it. Right. And for him learning how to use the magic throughout the book one itself, it shows the it shows that he's learning, he's moving on, he's he's learning by um, by by testing. Like like you see, it's like riding a bike. The only way you can learn how to ride a bike is just go for it, right? And if you fall, you fall. You get it back on the bike again. You keep going, and that's what he's doing. He's learning how to do simple magic, start getting bigger and bigger. Granted, there's he went big one point that he just like whoa, what's going on? But uh, when at the same time, he, when he does go big, he learned from that so he can move on, right? And like I mentioned before, it's like a journey. You, you, you feel like you're part of the journey of him becoming a wizard, like a full-blown wizard. But he's not really a full-blown wizard. No, in this I mean, case, at this point, he's not because he's literally, he can be a guy at the street doing tricks with a, with a, with a playing cards, right? But, but at the same time, he is learning. Well, right? he is. The first time we really see him do a significant amount of magic is with Michelle Singer, the FBI agent, and he protects her from a hail of bullets, mm-hmm. well, himself as well. But yeah. that's the first time that he does a lot of- A big magic. A big magic moment. And we're there with him with it. But besides the ending of the book, I think that was the largest sort of magic that he does in the majority of the book. Well, not really. If, if we're going all, to, all the way to the end of the book, 
Oh yeah, let's leave the end of the book up for the second for a second because the end of the book is is the big finale there with it, and certainly he does use magic a fair bit there as well. But what I mean is, is you know, so we have when he was exercising with Macarius and Giselle, learning sort of bringing the tree down. Then he has the moment with Michelle that he's protecting her. Then he's uh, he he goes to find the pottery stuff, and then he finds the amulet. Which sort of leads us into the next character in the one book. of my favorite characters. This is like, okay, this guy is uh, he like what Derek says. He come, he found uh, Kaz found an amulet. He took the amulet, and for the sake, I think it was cleaning it or something. But he ended up rubbing it, and a genie came out. And the genie's his name is Zahid, Zahid. Sorry, Azib. 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 Sorry. Now here's the question. I will buy you lunch if you could tell me his true name without reading it. His name is Azib. Yeah, his true genie. name. Oh my god! Um, I don't, I'm not going to pronounce it. There's no way I'm going to pronounce this properly. There's no way. No way. <laughs> how, okay, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? <laughs> Didn't ask me. Ask for you. I'll buy you lunch if you can pronounce it. There you go. See, yeah, it's uh, Azib at the Hamone. I don't know. And that was probably brutalized to some seven ways to Sunday, but uh, I thought it was interesting that he gives his full name. And then of course, as we would be, you want to shorten it. Can yeah. I use something different? Cause it, it, you and I would both butcher that terribly. Oh yeah. It, it's good though, because he, I feel like this character itself, like when he got introduced to the world of this book, uh, he, he came in as, the my, almighty genie, right? He, I mean, he we knows say every, he's a gin. He's a gin. Okay, so we say genie, but apparently but he dislikes that a great deal. So and he, 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 he creates a great problem with that. Yeah. So he looks like a genie as, as we would be sarcastic about yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, yes. He, how he was life. describing the book and how he's supposed to look like. He is a genie. It's literally like Aladdin genie. He big a, hair, big, he has a the bit big of hat, on his big shoulder, everything. A bit of, oh, bit of check, yeah, a little tiny one. Yeah. Yeah. You could see it a little bit on the side, you know. He's, yeah, I think he's a, he, his character is very interesting though because he is the he he knows what magic is. He knows what he's supposed, to, what Kaz supposed to do to create magic and how to detect magic. But at the same time, he doesn't want to tell Kaz because he expects Kaz as a wizard to know all this. It's like he's supposed to be a subject matter expert. Cast. and you have another subject matter expert coming in and he has the he has the uh, he has the knowledge of like well you're a genie you're a wizard you're supposed to know all this stuff why I, am i telling you this? i had a hard time when he came in though because i love duke and when he came in he's also sort of a comic relief so i found the two characters kind of fought against each other in in regards to comic I, relief you know? i agree with that but at the same time i still like uh, i say I, I like the genie because I, uh, because he provide this this um this sarcastic way of like hey it's like me telling you derek hey derek you're the subject matter ever I, I, I would say why am i telling you how to do your work i would work? say our <laughs> Arrogant sarcasm is the more accurate. Arrogant sarcasm is the more accurate statement there. But you're right. I think that he's uh, he's very emphatic the way he thinks. He looks down on Kaz and the rest of them. Even though, I think interestingly enough, and I wonder if Craig is going to write a little differently in the future for him and give him a little more backstory because 
There's something between him and Bardock. I don't know what it is, but he has this visceral reaction when he learns that isn't inhabiting Duke. Yeah, he, you're right. He does have this uh, this like disdain, or uh, um, yeah, I think that's the best word to describe it. Disdain to, to I'd say fear. Fear. Well, that's how he reacts. I mean, in the book, he reacts by by going back shocked, you know, and, and sort of being scared. In the book, that's how. It's yes, you're right. Yeah, but at the same time, he has this the he is shocked. Like nervous, yeah, afraid, yeah, yeah, yeah. disdained of exactly what's actually happening, right? right. And um, and f- and for me, like you're right. If you look at the underlining um, comic relief in the whole thing, uh, uh, Aziz and 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 Duke has this this clashing of personality, right? Of like comic relief, if you want to look at it that way. But as a character, I felt like he's uh, he's more um, he's there as in like. Is like a walking encyclopedia. Instead of, uh, instead of like, a, he he's the uh, press this button if you need help type uh, type feel to it, and and I have no problems with that because it was written well enough that uh, if Cass has an issue, he talks to he talks to Gene. But he doesn't give him all the information I want to know as the Again, reader. Again, that's the, that's the thing though. That's what I said. He <laughs> he's Aziz is a like, subject matter let's expert. Let's give you an example. Let's say let's say did the wizards who sent Macarius and Giselle know they were sending them through time? Did they no. know? Well, again, I get this feeling that hasn't been really established yet in this book, right? But but, but do you think they know? Do you, I mean the, the wizards back then? Do you because but if Murdoch was projecting himself into a dog, so, and I mean. Did did he know he was doing that? It's never really made too clear in the book. Well, they literally that said happens. that uh, the the wizard that brought Macarius and Giselle over it's two different type of wizards, right? If the if their quote unquote spell tell them go find this wizard, his name is blah 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 blah. You'll find him here in this area and this in this in this land. You're gonna show up in there, right? This is not a typical time time travel that you see in regular like Terminator. You just choose which date you go to, and you'll show up there, right? This one's more like, I have a feeling he's going to be here at this time. Or here, I don't know what time, but let you just go, right? It's like, it's, it's like, I get to feeling just threw a dart and figure out, okay, I have a feeling it's going to be in there. Throw, the, uh, throw the, the dart in the wall and it's like, yeah, he's right there. Good luck. Have fun. Right? Uh, I don't know. I wonder if our yet. listeners would have any comments about that. If you have a thought about that, mention it in the comment section and let us know what you think about that situation. Because uh, I think that uh, you all have a lot to say. Well, about here's it. the thing, though, Derek. This is a podcast. We don't have a comment section. So you have to email us now. So what we'll do is we'll leave the email address in the description so you can just uh, just go from there. So let me ask you uh, a different question then, since we're on that topic of sort of magic and, and, and wizards and so forth. Do you think that the opposition has their own wizards? We don't know. This is only book no, one. I mean, like, it's it's not spelled out, but do you think that they have them? I mean, I think it would make logical sense if they, if they would have wizards. Well, um, it- you know, because... This for some reason they're going around. They're looking for Kaz. They they either need him for his wizarding ability, or they want to get rid of him. I think those are sort of the two sort of plausible scenarios here, right? Well, based on what we're seeing right now, they're trying to get rid of him. Yeah. Well. 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 The, that that's the question, though. I mean, uh, in the original storyline, his aunt is gone and killed. So, I mean, I would say it's we're trying to get rid of a threat. 
because the aunt is killed. He's in the woods. He's waiting. You know, he comes back. He sees her killed. And she's always been trying to keep him safe. But it could be just as much as trying to capture him because they're looking for him even after they've killed her, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking around for him. Now, we don't know if they're trying to kill her or not, kill him or not, right? So... That's, that's another question. Again, the, based, um, based on even just the information we, we we're gathering right now in this book, the only thing we know is he's running from someone, some uh, someone. It could be a person, a group, or the government. The only right? thing we really know, though, specifically, is that there are people out trying to help him. And that would be the other organization, sort of the counter to the opposition, that have two-man teams, and supposedly in the very ch first chapter of the book was Team Cobra, who got wiped out protecting him on the road when he was first driving down the road in his car. They got wiped out. And then we have Team Draco, which is sort of the additional characters that get introduced, which is Mike and Isabel uh, that are there to protect him and they're sort of brought into the book that they're looking for him and are sent there to protect him. Yeah, so they, they, he knows something's, again, I think we're working, in my opinion, he knows some, like, we, again, back to your first question, uh, your question that there is someone um, going after him. But right now I have this feeling, if, you, if we're sticking, if you're sticking the storyline in this book itself, there is someone trying to protect him, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know that if the people that protect him is trying to kill him. Well, he sort of got the idea that okay, they didn't shoot at me in the beginning. They kind of knocked off each other. So he was sort of wondering about why did that happen right in front of him? And it, it makes sense that it's connected to him somehow, right? So He knows, again, there is like some type of connection. that He knows in the back of his mind that there is a connection. But at the same time, too, he has, a, uh, he has this thing that uh, I need to get the heck out of here because I'm going to get killed here, right? So he's trying to stay away from from the mess that the world has to offer him, right? And that's why he's moving. And does he just, right now, in my opinion, he doesn't care if someone's protecting him or not. He just needs to get out, right? Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, as we're going through the book, as you said earlier, um, Azib is the person that started giving the information about magic, but Michelle Singer, the FBI agent, is the one giving the information about his aunt and the opposition, and knowing that, yes, the FBI is looking for him, but that's for a very specific reason. Yeah, that's another that's a completely it, starting completely line. Se yeah. separate. But she's also the one that reveals that his aunt is not actually his aunt, which is yes. an interesting point. That was, in the I, to be honest with you, that was a very good, uh, uh, very good uh, uh, twist in the story. Because he was, if, if, if you read the, the, the first like, half the book, or even a quarter of the book, he keeps saying his aunt because his aunt helped him do this. His aunt did that. His his aunt helped him grew, uh, raise him up because his parents are dead. All that stuff, right? When he found out that he his aunt is not actually his aunt, is he felt that he was disappointed. He was betrayed. He felt everything everything in the world is all wrong now. It's hard because she trained him how to survive. They had yeah. go bags. I mean, you know, they had like lots of money and gold and like yeah. just stuff to keep off the grid. And if you're a prepper, he's, she's a great character. Yeah, she's to a great one. <laughs> I mean, they're hardcore. They had bags buried in the woods. That's pretty hardcore there. Yeah. So, so he, he thought that this aunt of his was her real aunt. 
And when he discovered that he's not his real aunt, like I mentioned before, that he, the world just end for him. He loved this woman. This woman loved him. And they, he and she raised him the way he, uh, he is now. But when, she, when he lost her aunt, everything fell apart. But if, then after that, he found out that he's not his real aunt. The world even fell apart even more. He didn't know where to stand after that because he was, he was, he, the only thing that he has in his mind is like he lost his aunt. Yeah. Right? I, I found it a very poignant moment in the book. I also found that the, as you said, the ending wasn't really powerful, but those moments where he found it about his aunt, where uh, he, you know, him, him and Macarius and Giselle have those moments where they become closer and he teaches them stuff. And I mean, admittedly, you know, for a lot of people that haven't read Craig Allenson, he has a way of, he likes writing sort of comedy into his books, which I personally love. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of people find that boring and they find it repetitive sometimes. And yeah. so a, a good chunk of the book here is him, Duke, Marcarius and Giselle going through the motions of trying to get around and and learn about the world, try to stay away from the bad guys, and try to learn about magic. Mm -hmm. And that is the bulk of the book in the way of learning about it. Now, when uh, Azib comes into the book near, probably near the middle to you know second, you know the third act around, he really pushes some information into him to get him moving to sort of go off and. Mm -hmm deal with the ending of the book but for me that middle part was actually the good bit because uh for example uh each macarius and giselle have their moments and when i say their moments i mean their moment of i'm a knight i'm really good at what i do especially giselle giselle's moment when she fights the guys in the alley and you know uh, she she just you know so suddenly takes one guy's neck off and just shoves the, the sword up through the other guys and the guy just stands there shaking. I think that was more uh, badass than Macarius's moment as well. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> he, he catches a fist in midair and then it's pretty cool. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Uh, no, I agree with you. It's like each... each That fight seems great. Like, he, it, it's... For me, Macarius is trying to to be the most honorable knight as possible. Giselle is just a a knight that's uh, that's stuff always happens around her, right? And, and he can't help that. I think she's. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to say she's more mature. I just think that she's more level headed than Macarius. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can say this, you can you can definitely say that. I agree with you 100%. Macarius as you said Macarius is more uh more more traditional, more like I am the knight, I am here to protect you. Very rigid, very disciplined. Giselle is disciplined too, but at the same time she's more she's more she's more she's she doesn't really care about the rules. She just want to cut, chop, chop someone's head off. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's what it is. I, I think he was just, he's very narrowly trained. And, you know, I like the way Craig writes. I mean, you and I are such big fans of his other series, uh, Expeditionary Force. And we, you know, we recommend anyone listen to that stuff uh, just because uh, we love it so much. And I had a lot of apprehension coming into this book series. I was concerned. I really was. But it shows his writing has sort of developed a little bit. 
I think those the people who are not used to it might get a little annoyed at the sort of mid chapter in the book, the sort of second act is a lot of this just learning, exploring. Um, and some people might find that repetitive. Maybe. Yeah. It, maybe, it's, maybe they might find it repetitive. Yeah. Cause right now I remember, um, he is trying to build this world. He's trying to build this massive world that's potentially be five or six books. Right. And if you look at the, um, if you look at book one, typically your book one in this big world, it's going to be, let's go introduce the, char- the main characters, right? And after the second books, typically your, your, your supporting characters. Third book is mostly your, your conflicts, so your, your bigger enemies and all that stuff. Third book, more enemies, blah, blah, blah. By the time you get to your last book, it's like, okay, let's go start slowing everything down now, right? Well, so what this, like- this is what's happening right now. It's what? like, you're building it. So I have no issues with it. He is, he does does drag. He does drag. I'm not denying that. But the question is, did it drag? See, in other series we've listened to him, there are points where you and I have said that his writing is dragging. Like, he's just writing as filler. I didn't necessarily feel that what he wrote here was filler, but if somebody felt that way, I could understand their argument. Oh, I agree. I agree. If, 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 you, if you want a, a storyline that's based on one book... This series is not going to be for you, in my opinion. But if you want a, if you want a series that builds the world, if you want a book that's a seri- uh, like a world that builds gradually and something massively epic, this is a great series to go for, right? So I've read books that's only one line, one book, uh, one book, and he built the person built enough in, enough information for that book. Well, he right? comes at you a couple different ways. We have Draco team who is there to support him but isn't know about. We until the end of the book. We have Michelle Singer, who is the FBI agent, who's sort of, sort of helping him, kind of, because she just learned about magic and it's kind of freaking her out. And then we have the gang, Duke and the rest of them. Yeah. So they're helping him out. So this is typical of his writing where he comes at you from a couple of different directions. And maybe you have a character you really like. Maybe yeah. it's like somebody's really sticking to your head, right? But he likes world building and that's definitely what he does here. But mm-hmm. my question is, you know, was the ending satisfying to somebody who's going to read this book once or the, the first book? Okay. Actually. I like that question. And then my answer is yes. The ending is, the ending is, uh, is an open-ended ending, but at the same time it's fact is satisfactory enough that it's, it's good. Right. It's, I felt like I'm like, I felt like the, the, the last chapter was like bang on. It keeps, it keeps me ready for the next book. That's how to describe it. So now that we're talking about the ending here, and we'll just put out a spoiler about the ending so that uh, you should still keep on listening, but you know, here's a spoiler for the ending. So basically uh, in the last bit of the book, he has to go close this portal that the opposition is open. And he himself is looking for this, but team Draco has found the opposition in this mountainous region and has decided to close it. So he kind of rolls up on it, not realizing what he's getting into. And in a sense, the team is sort of useless at this point, and Draco kind of takes over. What do you think about that? Because Macarius and them get, get stuck in the RV. Um, he's, he's off. Uh, Kaz is with Duke, who gets, he gets trapped in the RV, has to get out. And, uh, you know, the Draco team, Mike and, and Isabel, are there... And they're basically told protect them at all costs. 
was that thrilling enough for you for the ending? I say yes. I, I to be honest with you, I, uh, it, how the how he ended the book as in the portals is open. He's trying to close it, right? And you have this two two main two characters is trying to protect him, Mike and Isabel. They they took over the the whole the whole uh, the, the whole quote unquote mission, right? But at the same time, they're going into it as in like we know what we need to do, but we don't know how to deal with this. So they're just trying to deal with it the best way possible. But at the same time, you have Cass going in there as like you guys are a bunch of crackheads. You can't do that. This is magic. Let's me, let me do it. Let me figure this out, right? And there's always the, the, that's when the the conflict between. Mike and and Kaz is there because now you know that okay, these two are gonna be butting heads, right, going forward. But at the same time, both both of them are learning from each other. And how he how the book was ended, it was exactly what I predicted. It's exactly what I expected. Well, right? I mean, they don't really technically, in a sense, meet until the very last yeah. chapter of the book. Yeah. So it's not like they've learned anything great about it. And I guess that's where I wonder if this is enough for somebody who just wants to have this as a one read where they don't want to invest if, in the if, rest of the book if, series, you know? If, if you're planning to read this as a one read book, move on. It is what it is. Yeah, I know. It, it is what it is. I was going to say that too. I mean, it's it is what on. it is. Just move because on. Because he, yeah. he doesn't do that. He builds worlds and he, he kind of progresses that, that's what That's it. why I mentioned that. And uh, that's why we're reviewing all of these books because we want to give you the best Because book three literally <laughs> just came out. So. <laughs> but here's the thing that this is what I mentioned before. Like if you, if, if you're looking for a one world book, this is not the series you're going to be looking for, right? If you want, if you want to, if you want a world that's going to be built upon over, built upon book to book to book, perfect. I enjoyed the book and I liked the characters that were in it. In fact, I couldn't think of any particular character, even the opposition. We only see it in a couple scenes in the book as something I disliked. And for me, if I dislike a character in, in, a, in a book, it, it kind of ruins it for a lot of the other stuff. But I enjoyed every character in this book, including the baggies. And it makes me, as I would always say, the way Craig Allenson likes to write is, I want to know more. I want to know more about the world. I have, I have questions that have not been answered. And my hope is that in book two, those questions will be answered. Do you have any questions that are left that and you're from book with? one? Um, in book one, I feel like I, I need more. I need more origin story in some of the some of the characters self. I want to know more about Macariel. I want to know about Giselle. I want to know about Duke's um, uh, Duke. I want to know about the uh, uh, Aziz's uh, character because it's it's you see their personality coming out, but that's all you see, and that's why it's very very important to go to the next book because I'm hoping that going forward to the next book to the next book to the next book. It will grow more. You get to know that person more. You get to know, you know, I like it. Keep going. Thank you for opening the book with us today. Please hit that subscribe button so you won't miss the next episode. We would love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. Email us at yourbookmarksinfo at gmail.com.